0: Well, welcome one church. How you guys doing? Oh, come on now. Y'all are amazing. Let me tell you what's so amazing about you guys. Right now, everyone who is here, you have a perfect attendance record at church for 2014. I'm just saying, Alright, you can't touch that. Come on now, that is awesome. Uh, welcome, my name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors here. And we are starting a, a new series that I'm really excited about. Uh, to be honest with you, I get excited about all the series, but this is one of those things that it just runs in my blood. And let me tell you the reason why. is because uh, that, back in 2007, seven years ago, we started this church for people who don't go to church. And one of the things that we realized back in 2007 is that Clarksville didn't need another church where people who don't go to church won't go. We don't need any more uh, of the the normal. We need to do something different. Here is a statistic, it's gonna be on the screen, that haunts me, that 88% of people in Clarksville, Montgomery County, they don't go to church anywhere. 88% of people. That means when you drove here, Every one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Every nine out of ten houses, they don't go to church, and that's 162,000 people. I mean, we're in the Bible Belt, right? But people don't go to church, and that bugs me. And one of the things I, I grew up in church, and I had a great church experience, but I I feel like that the church should be like the magnet that draws people to God. But nine times out of ten, literally, most people don't go to church because they think this, that church is for church people. I don't believe that. Let me tell you the reason why I don't believe that. I don't believe that the church is for church people because that means that Christianity is for church people, and that means that Jesus Christ came for church people, and there wasn't even a church yet. That Jesus Christ came for everyone. So when we started this, one church, back seven years ago now, we had 35 people. We had an awesome launch team. In fact, we still have some people of our launch team here. I know Bob and Lori over there. I see Christy sitting right there. We, uh, we had so many great, great people. And what's so cool, when we launched this in the movie theater on September 9th of 2007, here's some pictures. We had 202 people at the movie theater. It, uh, our first Sunday, it was, pretty, it was jam-packed. Um, In fact, uh, Christy is actually up there. I think she's playing bass uh, farther on down. Um, Let me show you. This is our launch team. the 35 people. This is us praying before we launched one church that first Sunday. And we got together and we prayed. We didn't know what to expect. There they are again. And I am so grateful and thankful for each and every one of those people because they realized the dream that, you know what? Church isn't for church people. This whole idea we need to keep it simple and that's what we're talking about today over the next four weeks we're gonna be talking about our mission and our strategy and our vision of our church and to be honest with you what I'm sharing with you is not anything new in fact Christy who's sitting there she's probably heard all of this a million times this is the thing I realized though that when we look back and we said okay when's the last time I've talked about this it was back in 2008 let me tell you a little bit about our church 85% of our church is military And every year, we lose 40% of our church, mainly because of PCS. And if if you're not military, if you're the 15%, that's permanent changes station. Thank you very much. (laughs) All right? So um, we have a high turnover here at One Church. And because of that, I can't assume that just because I said it back in 2008, that you guys know it now because vision leaks. So one of the things that I want to talk with you about today is something that I have talked about here before, and it's a very simple idea because I believe Jesus Christ made it simple. In fact, this is what Jesus said. In fact, this is, uh, let me go back, go back to that one church. Onechurch.tv, we're a church. We want to create an environment for the unchurched and the dechurched. And Let me explain what that is, unchurched. That's people who've never been to church before. Some of you are here, and that is you. You're like, you know, I don't know anything about God, the Bible, or the church. You're like, if you have a Bible, you're like taking the cellophane off of your Bible, right? You, you're just kind of, you just don't know. And here's the thing. All of us have been there. I've been there. Well, I just don't know. It's a great place to be. But let me tell you about the de-churched. The de-churched are people who have been to church, and they said, uh-uh, I ain't going back. In fact, some of you, that would probably describe your story. You got bounced out of church, not because of a belief issue or a theological issue. You got bounced out of church because of a relationship issue. Something happened that was painful and it was hurtful and it hurt maybe your parents or you or your sister. Something happened and you think, you know what? I don't think I want to be a part of that anymore. So what we're going to be talking about today is, our, is, the, is that big overarching vision. We want to create a church for the unchurched and the d church We want to create environments where people come in and say, you know what, I don't understand all of it. I still have questions. I don't even believe the whole Bible, Jesus thing. But let me tell you, I really liked it. It was fun. It was engaging. My kids liked it. And I want to be back next week. We want to create Things in environments like that for those eighty eight percent of people who don't go to church. It's a simple. The problem we're gonna see is that if we're not careful, we can complicate it. Let me tell you how simple it is. Jesus said this about his mission. Jesus was single minded. It was a simple mission. I came to seek and to save those who are lost. That's it. That's what Jesus did. He came to seek and to save those who were lost. Here's the crazy thing. How many, of us, how many of us have been spiritually lost at one time or another? All of us, right? Let me tell you this. He tells another parable in, in Luke chapter 15, and he, and he talks about the 99 found of the sheep and the one sheep that goes missing. And listen to what he says in verse 4. The, he, the shepherd leaves the 99 others in the wilderness and went to search for the one that was lost until he found it. And you know what? What's so crazy is when that that church downtown First Baptist kind of launched us and those 35 people, man, we we weren't leaving the 99 found to go find the one lost. We were leaving the 12 found to go find the 88 lost because that's where our statistics are at. So when you come in here, we're going to be talking about this a lot next week. When you come into this, we want to make this very different than any church you've ever been to. We won't compromise on the Bible and teaching, but when it comes to everything else, we ask the question, okay, is this, if the Bible says, do we have to do it this way or do we have some liberty? Can we, what, what can we do? Because we want to create environments where people take a second look at God in the church. How many of you have ever seen a wreck? You see a wreck, what do you do when you see a wreck? You, 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 you rubberneck, you slow down. We want to create environments where people slow down and rubberneck God. That's what we want to do. We can't make anybody fall in love with God, but we sure do want to set up some dates. Set up some dates. So as we go into Acts chapter 15, that's where we're going to be today. Acts chapter 15, you need to know that one church, we're on a mission to change the reputation of the local church. Because I believe that the church should be the magnet that draws people to God. But here's one of the things I've realized. For most of our experience, that's not the case. For most of our experience, the church has been marginalized in our society, and people just kind of think, you know what, I don't go to church because church is for churched people. Like hunting is for hunters, golfing is for golfers, and church is for church people. And I just don't believe that. I believe that the church is for everyone. But the problem is... We as a church, all of us, not just here, but all churches, we have a tendency to take the simple message and add stuff to it and complicate it and, and think, okay, you got to believe this and jump this high, and if you do this, if you do this, when? If you kneel here, whatever. it's like, what just happened? We make it complicated. Let me tell you where the problem comes with this. The whole church idea of making it complicated started 2,000 years ago. Jesus, he lived for 33 years he died, he was buried, he was resurrected, he hung out for 40 days, and then after that, he left. And like literally a week after he left, everything kind of, everybody started getting really complicated. In fact, this is what it says, and this is kind of the, the premise of this idea, is that many times the, and the, the book of Acts is where we're going to be at. And by the way, if, you, if you've not read the book of Acts, you really need to. If you don't know anything about Jesus, kind of trying to figure out how the, all this kind of pieces together and works out, great book. To read. Now I'm saying ACTS, not the book of AXE. That would be a cool book, but ACTS, all right? And it's all about action, all right? So what happened is in Acts chapter 2, one of Jesus's friends, his disciples, Peter, preaches this great sermon, and 3,000 people come to know Jesus that one day. Isn't that cool? Now, what's so cool about this, and this is kind of the uncool about it, is all of those people were Jewish. That's cool, but they started, because everybody was Jewish and they became Christian, they started thinking this way, that you know what, in order to be a Christian, you must first become a Jew. What they started thinking is, okay, Jews had their own belief system, they had their own book, the Old Testament, they had their own language, Hebrew, they had their own customs. they had their own meeting places. Um, they had the synagogues where kind of church happened. They would and they would preach the gospel in the synagogue. But because they were all Jewish, it all just kind of worked out because they were all Jewish. So they started getting this idea that in order to be a Christian, first you got to become a Jew. Now. In Jerusalem, all right, that's kind of how everything happened. Now, Paul, he goes away from Jerusalem. He's kind of the lone ranger and he's telling Gentiles. By the way, that's a, anybody who's not a Jew is a Gentile. So if you're non-Jewish, you are a Gentile. Me too. Welcome. All right. Uh, Paul's out there, and he's saying, you know what? Anybody can come to faith in Christ. Anybody can believe in God through Jesus. And all of these Gentiles started coming to Christ, And that kind of ticked off all the religious Jewish people because they had this preference, they had this mindset that in order to become a Christian, you must first become Jewish. So back in the capital of Christianity, back in Jerusalem, they start having these kind of discussions and fights. Anybody ever been in a church fight? Ever seen it? That's not pretty, right? They had this idea that in order, you must first become Jewish before you can become a Christian, and, um, they started saying, you know, what? it can't be that easy. It's more than just believe you got to do this and you got to act this way and you got to believe in this. And you know, there's 10 commandments and then, you know, you got to do this and, and there's all of this stuff. And they started to make it complicated. Look at what it says in Acts chapter 15, verse one. This is complicated. Some of the men came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the brothers, unless you are what? Unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. (laughs) That's pretty painful, right? By the way, I know we have a lot of kids in here. Ask your parents what that means later. You're welcome, parents, all right? I'm just saying, I mean, you think about it. The new members class of the church were all women, right? The guys were like, I ain't down with that. Not not doing that, right? I mean, they were totally serious that you have to have have surgery before you come to know God. And we think, how idiotic is that? But they were totally serious that you had to have an operation before you could come into a relationship with God. So there's this conflict. And all the, you know, all the Jewish people say, hey, you gotta first become Jewish, gotta have the operation. You know. Dice, dice, right? And then all the, everybody's like, I, I'm not going to do that. Verse 2. This brought Paul and Barnabas in sharp dispute and debate with them. Paul's saying, time out. You're complicating it. It's simple. You're making it difficult. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some other believers to go where? to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they reported everything that God had done for them. All right, so Paul and Barnabas tell all of these cool stories of how these Gentiles have come to faith without surgery. Isn't that crazy? All right, so look at this, verse 5. Then some of the believers who belong to the party of the Pharisees, time out, this is what's so cool. Now, the people who put Jesus to death, who crucified him, they were the Pharisees. They were extremely religious people, and they put Jesus to death. Look at this. Some of the believers that belonged to the party of the Pharisees, they started believing. I mean, how, how amazing that? It? It's like, okay, they crucified Jesus, and he wouldn't stay dead. So, like, the Pharisee, one Pharisee turns to the other and says, Hey, Frank, I think we're on the wrong side of the team right? Because Jesus is now alive. That is so cool. So you have many of these Pharisees who were against Jesus now saying, hey, I'm for the dude who's back to life, right? That's the team I'm playing on. So you look at this, it's so cool. So the Pharisees start to believe and they say this in verse five, they say this, the Gentiles must be what? They got to have an operation and required not only have an operation, but required to obey the law of Moses. Now, let's talk a little bit about that. Moses gave 10 laws. Some people call them the 10. There you go. But not only that, the Jews said, okay, those 10 really aren't quite enough. So they actually created 600 more laws. For those in public school education, that's 610, right? So they're saying this. You not only have to have surgery... You've got to be able to follow 610 laws. Do Jesus. Right? So that's what the Pharisees, that was they're saying this. That you have to become Jewish before you can become a Christian. In other words, the Pharisees are saying this. It's not that simple. Not that simple. Okay, yeah, you got to believe, but you got to do some other stuff. We, we, we can't make just it so simple because everybody will be able to come. Jesus hadn't even finished saying hello yet to everybody in heaven. And all of a sudden, church leaders in the biggest church in the world at that time saying, whoa, whoa, time time out. We can't make this that simple. We can't make it easy and accessible. We have to be able to put some barriers, kind of like this ladder here. You see, on your left is an eight-foot ladder, and on your right is an eight-foot ladder. The difference doesn't have any rings. See, a ladder, if you're going to get to the top, what do you got to have? Got to have some steps. The problem is, in most churches, what we've done is we've taken off the steps. And we've not made it easy and accessible and simple for people to come to know God. Let me tell you how we've done it. You've got to dress a certain way. If you don't dress a certain way, then you know what—you're not quite welcome. Or you know what—you've um, got to carry maybe a certain Bible. It has to have this translation or this or that. Or you know what—this is how many churches do it. You know what—if if you'll just go ahead and turn to the book of Ephesians, somebody who's never been to church, you're like, well, "What's the book of Ephesians?" I got the book of the Bible right? We, we assume that everybody knows all this stuff. And preachers will get up and preach about justification and sanctification and propitiation and all the Asians. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. I went to seminary to be able to teach all of that. And even to be even let's be honest, for, re, for me to know about it, right? Because some of that stuff's difficult. But let me tell you, I didn't grow up knowing about that. Do you know? I, I didn't come out of the room and I, I thought, okay, let me tell you what Trinitarianism is. It didn't happen like that way. Somebody had to put the rings down and be able to teach me and to understand. And I think so many people who are outside of this building today are thinking, you know what, 98% of Americans believe in God. And, and many of those of you asked, hey, what do you think about Jesus? Like, you know, I like Jesus. The problem is I, I can't get up there. You know, you, you say all this stuff and I just don't quite understand it. And, gosh, you know, you, you seem to be so spiritual when you pray, and I like how you said it, but I can't say it that great. And, you, you know, you talk about these words, and I just don't know what redemption is. And I, and I, I just I wish I could get up there, but I just can't make it. I can't do it. There's something wrong with this. But I'm telling you, this is what every church Including this one, if we're not careful, every church has a tendency to move from simple to complex. Why? Because their focus is on keeping insiders instead of reaching outsiders. I said this seven years ago, and I'm going to say it today. Our focus is going to be reaching people, not keeping people. I've had great friends come to this church and leave this church because you, you know what? It's it's too loud. You don't do an invitation the 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 there's people on your staff that have tattoos you know there's yeah 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 i love you there are a lot of other churches you can go to seriously and this is not being mean me being mean i'm just telling you our focus is on reaching the lost and that means we have to leave the found sometimes and maybe even tick off the found sometimes in order to be able to reach the lost That's what Jesus has called us to do, and that is what we will continue to do as a church. I'm telling you. And and the problem is, we're the problem. I'm the problem. We have a tendency to say, you know what? We can't make it that easy, that accessible. So let's just just say big words and make it sound really deep. Right? Let me tell you, I know the big words. I can read Hebrew and Greek and English. Thank you very much. And you know what? I could could say, let's go into some really deep stuff and dwindle this congregation to me and my wife. Because here's the thing. Let me tell you what deep is. Let me tell you how deep Jesus went. They said, you know, and I'm kind of off my notes, so just hang out with me for a sec. They said, you know what? Okay, you got all of these laws and prophets and the 610 laws and stuff. And somebody came to Jesus and says, you know, tell me about all of that. You know, what is the biggest and greatest commandment? And Jesus took 610 and boiled it down to dose. Love God, love people. That's how deep Jesus went. You know what? I I struggle loving my wife. You struggle loving your spouse? Loving your kids when they're off? for 10 days on winter break? <laughs> Tuesday's coming, baby, right? I struggle being a good dad. I struggle being nice to people when I drive. I do. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, Jesus, you no, know, I'm going to preach and I'm, I apologize. Jesus never, ever said, let's open up Hezekiah and let's go verse by verse. He never did that. Never did. By the way, there's no book called Hezekiah. Just let you know. All right. I got to get back on here because y'all are getting me off. But here's the thing about this. It's really your fault. All right. The Pharisee says, you know what? It's too hard. We got to make it too difficult. It's, it can't be that easy. We need churches like this. Churches that doesn't assume that everybody knows all of those big words. Churches that says, you know what? Yeah, we can say justification, but instead of just saying that, well, how about saying this? You know... How can we be made right with God? That's what justification means, by the way. But yet we use the big words so that we make ourselves look impotent, right? We need churches that say, you know what? We are going to keep it easy, obvious, strategic, and simple so that everybody can come to know God. Look at what it says in verse 7. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips, Peter says, the message that the gospel of the gospel and believe in God, who knows the heart. He showed that he accepted them by giving them the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He made, what does it it say? He made no distinction between us and them. And what Peter's saying, it's not about Jew or Gentile anymore, it's not about good or bad. It's not about the pure or impure, because he says this, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the disciples a yoke that neither we or our forefathers can bear? He's saying this. It's difficult doing all those do's and don'ts. Anybody want to agree with that? I agree with that. You can't do this and don't do that. Don't think about that and stop playing with that. I mean, it's difficult. And you know, Peter said... Frank, yeah, you in the back. Frank, have you been able to follow the law 100% of the time? Well, no, Peter, I haven't. Okay, Jim, let's talk about you, Jim. Uh, Jim, have you kept the law perfectly your entire life? Well, no, I haven't, Peter. Peter. Hey, Bill, you remember that time when your, your son stole the keys to the chariot and went out and ran that intersection and ran over that lady in the walker? And, you know, the Old Testament said we should stone him, but we didn't. Because, and you remember that? Yeah, I remember that. So why in the world are we going to try to expect these Gentiles to live a perfect Jewish law-filled life when we can't do it ourselves? And then James The the, the stepbrother of Jesus, let me explain that. Because some of you, if you're not in in church a lot, Mary had a little boy. His name was Jesus. She was the Virgin Mary. After he was born, Joseph and Mary had more kids. And one of them, name was James. Let me tell you why I think that's so cool. Imagine, what would your older brother have to do to convince you that you're the son of God? Right? Right? I mean, think about that just for a sec. I mean, but James didn't believe in Jesus while he was alive. But when Jesus came back to life, James saw him. And James says, I'm in. My older brother, <laughs> he's, he's the son of God. I mean, amazing. That's so cool. James gets up and he puts all of this to rest. And he says a verse in verse 19 that I read that six, seven years ago and I printed it off and I put it in my uh, in my. In my, over my desk, in my office, and it's still there to this day. And this verse is the crux of what we're about here at One Church. Uh, Acts chapter 15, verse 19 says this. James says, It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. What James is saying is this, we should not make it difficult for people who are trying to find God. We should not make it difficult. We should put all of the rungs back on the ladder so that people can come to know their heavenly father. That's what what James is saying here. Let's not make it difficult because Jesus made it simple. Our big idea today is this. Coming to God should be simple. It should. Now let, me, let me stop right here. Some of you who have theological backgrounds, you're like, okay, but it was difficult. I mean, Jesus had to die. You're totally right. It is very. Jesus had to literally go to hell and back to be able to save you. It was difficult for him, but guess what? It's simple for you. Now, living a life, that's difficult. I ain't talking about that. I'm talking about beginning a relationship with God. It's simple. Coming to God should be simple. (laughs) So Peter said, I got a crazy idea. Let's not make it difficult for people who are trying to get to God. Let's put all of the rungs back in the ladder. Let's actually go in here and let's say, you know what? You don't have to have surgery in order to be able to get in there. Let's say, you know what, you don't even have to follow the entire law before you can get it. Let's put all the rungs so that anybody can come to know God. So that even a tax collector, people who everybody goes, boo. Even a tax collector like Zacchaeus could say, you know what, I can begin a relationship with God. Even a tax collector like Matthew Who could not only come to know God, but Jesus allowed him to write a book in the Bible. You know what they called it? Matthew. It's crazy, right? That anyone can come to know our Heavenly Father. We should make it so easy, so accessible, so simple that even a child can come to know God. Let me tell you what I'm committed to. As the lead pastor of this church, I am committed to keeping all of the rungs in the ladder. I am. And you know what? There are things that we started that we stopped doing. Why? Because it was leading us in a way that was going to make it complicated. We are going to keep it simple. We're going to keep turning people towards our Heavenly Father. We're going to talk to people. We're going to say, you know what? God loves you so much that he literally sent his son so that you don't have to spend eternity apart from him. We believe that coming to God should be simple so this is how it ends acts 15 30 and 31 the men were sent off and went down to antioch where they gathered the church together and they delivered the letter this decision that they don't need circumcision to be saved praise god for that and all the men says amen the people read it and they were glad for its encouraging message jesus says okay here's what we're gonna do we're gonna keep it simple It's going to be easy it's going to be accessible to everyone that even you don't have to do all the laws you don't have to know all the ins and outs i mean that's great if you do nothing wrong with that but it is about jesus and here's the thing about this if we make it complicated let me tell you what we're going to be doing as a church we're going to be coming up against god We're going to be working against God because James says, it is my judgment, therefore, that for those turning to God, we need to not make it difficult. Now, let me tell you the problem as I close. 100 years after this decision, it got really complicated. 300 years, and you couldn't get on board with the church if you tried. And then in the year 1095, the Pope says, hey, let's just don't reach people. Let's kill people with the crusades. Let you, let's, let's drive out the Jews, let's drive out Muslims. We're going to kill everybody for the glory of God. And you're like, where is that in there? I mean, that's not in the Bible, is it? It's not, because they made it complicated. They started building bridges instead of walls. They started uh, putting up security lights instead of searchlights. Our goal, and what's, what's so crazy, in, in 1495, we have the Spanish Inquisition where the church slaughtered thousands of people and pushed all of the Jews out of Spain, all for the glory of God. See, some of you are here today, and your biggest pushback is stuff like that. You know what? I agree. It's my biggest pushback as well. But you need to know, Jesus or God didn't do that. The church did that. They made it complicated. So my challenge for you today is let's not make this complicated. Let's keep it simple. I'm going to give you four challenges how you can do that. Number one, I'm going to ask you more than any other year, I'm going to ask you to give so that we can continue to start churches for people who don't go to church. One of our goals, and you're going to hear it with some of the stories I'm going to read, is our our goal from the very get-go is one church wasn't just going to be one church. It was eventually going to become multiple churches, one church in multiple locations. uh, We have so many military who leave, and I hear this all the time. They'll go to Arizona. They'll go to Fort Bragg. They'll go to Fort Hood, and they'll say, man, I wish there was a one church here. We want to put a one church in Fort Hood. We want to put a one church in Arizona. I don't know about Fort Bragg. I'm just joking. So we want to put a a one church. You know, it's going to be different people, but it's going to have the same style, the same message it, it, it's we're going to have the same heart we want to be able to be one church meeting in multiple locations in order for us to do that we're going to have to get this place into more permanent facility so that we can be able to wheel out and just sow seed literally all over the world this year we want to give more to missions than we ever have before Last year, we gave tons of stuff away to missions. We helped out more people. You heard me say that um, earlier. I mean, 2013 was a difficult year for us financially, but let me tell you, it didn't impede God's growth one bit. Not one bit. God doesn't need your money, but what, uh, y'all, if y'all gonna clap, let's clap. He doesn't need your money, but let me tell you what. We get to be able to partner with him and say, you can make a difference with your Benjamin or your Lincoln or you're Washington, you can make a difference. So I'm asking you, I'm asking you to invest. Nothing thing I'm asking you to do is I'm asking you to invite. You know, the reason why we do church this way, we don't do church on Sunday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. We don't do discipleship training on Wednesday night. We don't do visitation on Tuesday night. We don't do a Sunday night church. We, well, there's a lot of stuff we don't do, and here's the reason why. We want to keep it simple. We want you to spend time with people who are lost. And i got to be honest with you, I've grown up in church, and I've been in those churches, and I love those churches, but they get you so busy hanging out with found people that you never do get to hang out with lost people. And I think that breaks our Heavenly Father's heart. So I'm asking you to build relationships this year. Uh, uh, Some of you know this. I intentionally spend at least one day out of the office working off-site. And the only reason I do that is so that I can build relationships with people who don't go to church. That is the reason. Because if I'm not careful, I'm going to surround myself with people who already found and who hold hands and sing Kumbaya. And it's great, great. But that's not the heart of our Heavenly Father. The third thing I'm going to ask you to do, I'm going to ask you to take a step and join a team if we want to continue to create environments for our children and our students and small groups and greeters and all of this stuff, we're going to have to ask some of you to say, you know what? gummit. I'm, I'm going to join a team. You know, here, let me tell you this. We're not going to put you in a place that you don't like. If you don't like serving with babies, we're not going to make you the head of the babies. We're not. We want to find the place where you thrive, where you're passionate about. And we want to push you and to make you successful. So we want you, and we're going to challenge you to join a team this year. To join a team. And then lastly, lastly, I want us all to be in prayer so that we can be able to see where God's going to take us. Because 88% of people in Clarksville do not go to church anywhere. And I want to change that. I look out and I see you guys' faces. And I I know so many of your stories. I know people who've had affairs. And people who've never been to church. And broken homes. And people who've been addicted to drugs. And people who just struggled. And when I talk about our church to people, the one word I use is, you know what, we're just messy. We're messy. I'm messy. I'm so grateful that Jesus takes messy people and creates masterpieces out of them. To I close, I want to just read you. I send this to our elders and our staff all the time. People who like tell us stories. I just want to share you, share some of these stories with you. I got this story this past week on Facebook. Megan writes this: One church was the best church I've ever been to. I can't even imagine how difficult my life would have been without the love and support of so many people from one church. They made me feel comfortable to share the most terrifying experience I was going through at the time. I still struggle finding a church in Indiana that I love and, and I just really been it's been the hardest thing about my move. I pray that I can find a church with a warm welcoming hug like I received when I started attending one church. Thank you for picking me up and praying for me so many times. I pray that my path brings me back there one day. Greeters, that wonderful hug, that's you. That wasn't me. That wasn't our praise team. That was our greeters. And I want to say, you can do that. You can become a greeter. You know how much Bible knowledge you have to have to have a greeter? To become a greeter? Zilcho. This is what you got to do. But you make a difference. You made a difference in Megan's life. Keep on reading. For some of you, if you're first-time guests, you fill out those first-time guest forms, we send you an email. It's called a 30-second survey so that you can tell us how we're doing. This is the rest of these came from this. I loved it. I think I finally found the church where I'm not bored and actually understand everything that is taught. It was a great experience, and I'll definitely be back. What he's saying, y'all had all the wrongs. Let me tell you, we we don't get a lot of stuff right. Some of you, if you've known our church, we suck it up from time to time. Let me tell you, this person tells me, you know what, I understood it. I wasn't bored. Man, that's cool. We love the environment and all the friendly people, this person says. We are looking forward to making one church our church home. Thanks so much for having us, and we'll see you all next Sunday. Another 30-second survey. I finally found the church that believes in the same things that I do. It's refreshing. Another person says this. One church affecting people all the way in Washington State. This person watched. Okay, somebody from Washington State. Woo! All right. I love watching the services online. That was brandy. She was, part, she was one of the very first people that ever showed up at One Church at the movie theater. Thank you so much for the warm welcome when we came to One Church. We have loved everything about your church. We just PCS'd here and we feel at home and couldn't wait to come back and have jumped in to serve. This message is so down to earth and real, we are happy to find you. I can't make this stuff up. I got more. Sit back and Relax. Tasha writes this, my family absolutely loved your church, in all caps. We never felt uncomfortable out of place, and our children did neither. Listen to this, my 10-year-old asked if we could go back before we even made it home that day. We cannot wait to spend every Sunday, Sunday with you until we PCS again. Again, children's workers, that's why you do what you do. You are not babysitting. You are teaching A child about Jesus. Praise God for you. You're making a difference. Another person says, come on. I love our children's workers. Another one says this. I just wanted to send a note of thanks. My family has been looking for a place to worship, and I finally found it. Not only that, but my husband enjoys coming as well. He's been struggling with PTSD and recently went to a faith-based program. Since then, God has restored his faith. I feel our family has a lot of spiritual warfare going on right now. And just to come to your services and remember what it's about on Sunday gives me peace. I thank God for one church. Keep on going. I am so thankful God has led me to one church. Since I've been attending, I have grown so much closer to the Lord as well as my husband. He was drugged to church when he was little. How many of y'all ever had drugs? You drugged to church? Anyone? But it, it, so he didn't go for a very long time. But by the grace of God, I talked to him and I come to one church. And he, all caps, he loves it. <laughs> Cool. Um, uh, This is one person um, She's writing on Facebook And she's talking to somebody who's kind of anti-church She writes this Hey Amanda you should come visit our church I absolutely love it and wouldn't trade it in for any other church My kids and I have been gone there for years The best way to describe it is like a rock concert Followed by a comedy show (laughs) You learn so much In such a short time And you come out laughing almost every week That's cool Um, Last one this comes from a dad. It says, thanks from a dad. I got this from an email. My wife and I were visiting Clarksville this past Thanksgiving with our daughter and our son-in-law. They were just transferred there from San Antonio, Texas to Fort Campbell. Our prayer was for them to find a new church home as soon as possible. While, we're, while we were taking a tour around town one afternoon, I picked up a flyer about Clarksville, and there was a message that you had written in there about the town and your church. I told my daughter to read it, and she thought it may be an interesting place to visit. That's an understatement. Ever since they have been going, our prayer is that they will become a vital part of the church there. They've been struggling in so many areas. My daughter and her family have been through so many struggles this past few years. Looking forward to watching the services online. You know, we can talk about the gospel and propitiation and bore everybody to death. That's not what Jesus did, He is the gospel. He is good news, and he pointed, always pointed people towards himself. So I'm asking you this year, let's all join hands and arms, and together, let's point people not to a church, but to Jesus, because Jesus can change lives. How do I know? Dear Jesus, I thank you so much, God. God. Lord, these stories are the reason why we do all of this. It's the reason why so many of our volunteers get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and set up and stick around to tear down. I thank you so much, Lord. It's the reason why we give. Lord, what we do, setting all this stuff up, it's such a privilege. Doing all of this, God. Pointing people to you, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that we will not stop Lord, that as we move forward in the future and we talk about things we've never talked about and dream dreams that we've never dreamt about here at One Church, I pray that we would not get sidetracked and realize that it's about connecting a loving God, people. Lord, we love you. I thank you. I'm grateful. Grateful for this church. Thank you so much because all three of my children been baptized in this church. They've come to know you in this church. And I pray that thousands more will come to know you. Not so that we can say we're all that, because we're not. Because we can say Jesus is amazing. Love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.